message you are about to hear is brought to you by the Word and Sound Ministry of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. God bless you as you listen.
because we have a really long journey to go through today. First Samuel chapter 5. We are still looking at pattern for living and we are dealing with the journeys of the ark. So today we are talking about journeys of the ark part 3. We want to look at the ark in the midst of the enemy. First Samuel chapter 5. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early in the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him to his place again. And when they arose early in the mo- on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. And they sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of the God of Israel about. And it was so that after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And they smote the men of the city, both small and great and they had emeralds in their secret parts. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and it came to pass, as the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought about the ark of the God of Israel to us, to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines, and said, Send away the ark of God of Israel, and let it go again to his own place, that it slay us not. And our people for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there, and the men that died not were smitten with emeralds, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Lord bless the reading of his word. That's very clear about the ark in the midst of the, of the enemy. Just the sheer destruction that God wreaks upon the enemy is, is more than enough reason for anybody who is here today to want to live a life that can do this amount of damage to his or her enemy. This is the story of the capture of the ark because we are looking at the ark moving around. We've looked at the ark crossing the Jordan. We've seen how the ark brought down the walls, walls of Jericho. Now we see the ark in, in the very territory. Please keep those children quiet. In the very territory of, of the enemy. But first, let, what led to the capture of the ark? Israel was in a state of decline. The priests were sons of Belial, as the Bible refers to them. They were in a backsliding state. Eli was old and doesn't look after what his two sons, Ophni and Phineas, were doing. We have a clear example of the way they misbehaved 
in First Samuel chapter 2. I'll read from verse 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord, and they were the priests. And the priests' custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants came. While the flesh was in seething, with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan, or kettle, or cauldron, or pot. And all that the flesh hook brought up, <laughs> these guys are crazy, the priest took for himself. So they did in, in Shiloh, unto all the Israelites that came there. Look at verse 17. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Verse 19. No, no, no. Verse 22. Now Eli was very old and had all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you why do ye do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings all by by all these people. So the, the sons of Eli were the priests. They were the ones who were to, as it were, lead the people into the presence of God. And they just were misbehaving, as I would say, maximally. And something happened. First Samuel chapter 4. The Bible tells us from verses 1 through to 11. I'm not going to read it because there's no time. That there was a battle with the Philistines. First battle, they lost. And then they said to themselves, listen, because this is what concerns us. Let's go and get the ark from Shiloh and bring it into this battle. And they went, they brought the ark. And the moment the ark came in, in other words, they took the ark away. <laughs> they, took the, they went into, you know we've been doing this, the, the, the tabernacle. You cannot go in to where the ark is. How many times can you go in there? Once in a year. But because of a battle, they just went there, took the ark, brought the ark into the battlefront. And the, the Bible says they shouted when the ark came. They were very happy. Because God had come into their midst. They shouted so much, just the shout of foolish people made the enemy even afraid. But in that battle, a lot of them died. 30,000 people died. And the ark was captured. Now, the relevant, I said this is important to us. The relevant really to you and I is that in Romans 8, 31, the Bible says, If God be for us, who can be against us? In Proverbs chapter 16 verse 7, verse 7 The Bible says When a man's ways please the Lord He maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him Now These people Had misbehaved so much And they thought that just by bringing the ark Into the battlefront Even that itself was wrong That God would suddenly Perform a miracle on their behalf And, and there are many Christians today Even amongst us here who want, in fact, most of Christendom want God on their own terms. And it will never be so. This is what we see the children of Israel trying to do here. I'm going to battle. God says, don't come into the Holy of Holies. They say, well, we need God in our midst. If he's there, he'll solve the problem. So you carry God there in disobedience. And of course, as it were, the ark is captured. They were slaughtered. And many Christians do not fear God. Many of us live in serious disobedience. Um, I thank somebody, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but one nice lady came to me after service on Sunday and said, my, my husband doesn't pay 
he has stopped paying fights. So I went to see him. I said, oh guy, you must pay fights. Why, why, why did you stop? You know, and then he said, okay, he will start to pay again. And there are people like us, like that here in this church. Come in at first, pay your sights. After a while, you stop. After a while, you know, people just do things their own way. And then they reason it out. With God, there's no such room. As we see in this story. There's no such room. You can't have God on your own terms. You just have to have God the way God has prescribed. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. Just taking God in there, they thought all would be well. And then, for the first time in their lives, they thought that God could be captured. And that's what happened. God was came away, as it were. And so many people died. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let's look at specifically the ark that has been captured. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 5. We've just read through verses 1 to 12. Imagine, if you will, the pomp and the pageantry of the Philistines when they captured the ark. This thing that made these people invincible. This thing that when it touched the Jordan, the Jordan parted. This box that somehow or the other, because they carried it around the walls of Jericho, it brought down the biggest walls that man has ever built. So you imagine how the Philistines would have felt capturing the ark. As far as they were concerned, this victory was as a result of their own god. They had a god called Dagon. So that when you come to look at life really and truly, no matter what happens to us, there's always a spiritual angle to it. Even though they went out and they fought, they ascribed their victory to their God. So what did they do? They took the ark as a trophy and took it into their own temple and placed it before their God, Dagon. Dagon was a mermaid, as it were, half woman and half fish, made by men's hands but worshipped by men and they placed it in front of Dagon, had a good time, danced rejoiced for their victory and then shut the temple and went away, came back the following morning the Bible tells us and to their utter amazement this huge thing called Dagon was lying prostrate, face downwards before the ark the position of worship and they couldn't understand it so they, they lifted Dagon up notice the one thing about the Bible that is it's always very precise Dagon didn't fall on its side Dagon didn't fall backwards it fell faced downwards prostrate and that tells you something about position that when you really 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 are worshipping God he appreciates it when you lie down prostrate before him look at Revelation chapter 4 you'll see it there the 4 and 20 elders they get up from their golden seats take up their golden crowns and they do what? they lie down prostrate before the throne of God these people are shocked and surprised how can Dagon be in the place of worship? so they, they picked it up and they, they set it up again and of course when he came back the next day Dagon was in the same position but this time his head was chopped off and his hands also 
had been chopped off. All that was left was what is called the stump of Dagon. Now, there are different levels. I'm going to take two levels of explanation because of time. What you see in here is an example of what happens when God visits the unbeliever. This picture of Dagon lying prostrate before the ark is what happens when your time comes and God says, okay, it's enough. You are going in the wrong direction. You are supposed to come in this direction with me. And as it were, by His grace, the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of an unbeliever. That's why you find that sometimes in, in church, for no reason, somebody is speaking about prosperity and talking about how to make money. And somebody is sitting in one corner and crying. And you who are preaching are wondering, I'm not saying anything that this is a laughing sermon, but there's somebody crying. What's happening there is that God is at work in that heart. So stage one that happens is each person, before we become Christians, we all have our Dagons. And the Dagon that each person really has is called the Dagon of Self. We've talked about it. The Dagon, everybody say the Dagon of Self. Yeah, because before you become a Christian, what you really do is you do things your own way. You do things when you want to do them. You do them how you want to do them. You do them any way you want to do them. You are in control. And so when God comes in, He begins to show you that He is in, in control. And you find, I've seen it happen before, before a sermon ends, people are, some people just get up and they are, they are ready. They, not, they don't need to listen to the whole sermon, they are just ready to give their lives. Why? Because by His grace, God comes in into the, into the heart of that person. I like to believe that most of the people who are here are born again. And if you, if you go back and think back, you, you can't even understand what happened. You just became born again. But then you see, the Bible tells us that something interesting happened. And this is what happens in church. That makes some people say, if this is where church is, then I don't want to be in church. The Bible tells us that Dagon was what? Was brought up and put back in its position again. So people say they are born again. And for a while, they really behave well. For a while they will behave well. If you really become born again properly, truly, you are really seriously born again, there is something that happens. There's a change that comes upon you. And then after a while, you suddenly find that things cool off a little bit. Then you don't do all those things. I'll give you an example so you understand. When, when I first got born again, I had, I had what I would call an altar. I had one small ledge in the house. I had one cassette player there. I used to buy a lot of those Igbo tapes. I've been trying, trying to remember one of the songs. I remembered it today. The, you know, the old Igbo, the Igbo, they have some of these Igbo tapes. Arise, arise and build. The God of Abraham, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his people will arise and build. I will sing along with this thing and just stay there and sing for my honor. Any song they sang, I, I knew all of those Igbo songs, even if I didn't know the meaning. But um, with time, you become a professor. Then I used to buy books, I read, I read. After a while, put aside the cassette player. And I used to play real such powerful prayers in those days. And what happens, you become a really good Christian. You know everything. You want to now let people know that you know about God. And what happens? Dagon is brought up again. Dagon gets up, self takes control. 
And then people begin to say, ah, are you sure that that girl is born again? I saw her. I saw her coming out of a place, oh. That place, even bad girls don't come out of there. And then you, the pastor, will say, no, it's not. You saw somebody else. He said, no. He says, I, I know the person. I say, go and sit down, my friend. She speaks to She's tongue talking. Like somebody said to me, he said, Pastor, there's one man that comes to church. Are you sure the man is born again? I said, ah, serious. He said, but I saw him at a beer parlor, quaffing star. <laughs> what has happened? Dagon has been put up again. I'm not going to go into too many details. All of you know the things. As you are sitting here now, if God were to begin to reveal uh, those who go to beer parlor, those who go to places that Christians don't go to, those who go to places that even the worst girls don't go to. I remember when I was in my youth club, all of us graduates. Then one day, somebody came and said, ah, they saw one of us, one of the girls in camp, dressed like some of those girls on Adel Malaki at 12. And we all said it's not possible. So the person said, I will show you. Of course, what else? we didn't have time. We had plenty of time. Youth club, fun. So, oh, wait we were watching her. Followed her quietly. <laughs> true, 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 true. The graduates from university. Father's our own corner in the road. I was waving down people and in our days we call people. <laughs> <laughs> then the following morning, she will wear the same uniform like all of us. And then we'll do parade together. <laughs> what happened? Dagon has been put up. And all of you who allowed Dagon to arise. What God does, He doesn't leave us. Because the Bible says, the very next day, He chops off, now listen carefully, He chops off the head of Dagon. He chops off the hands of Dagon. Why? Because Matthew 6.24 says, no one can serve two masters. You can't have two captains in a ship. It's not possible. And the removal of the head of Dagon the cutting off of the hands of Dagon are very, very instructive. Listen carefully, because we have to understand who God is. The head represents, as it were, the reigning power of sin. So God cuts it off. The hands, both left and right, that we used to do all the evil that we do, God cuts off those hands. But then, God demands that there's a part for you to play. In other words, you see, you cannot be a Christian, spirit-filled, knowing God, coming to church, and you are still misbehaving over a long period of time. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. I want us to read together. It's not enough, you know, to come to church and then be sorry and then cry. And then you go back. Because God has already done a work in your life, in my life. Let's read verses 14 through to 16. Romans chapter 6. Are we all there? Force 1, 2, go. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are 
to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. When God comes into your heart, when you stand before God and say, I, I give my life to you, Lord, what you are doing is you are making a vow before God. And only fools will make vows before God that they do not intend to keep. And if God does a work for you, He understands that things are not easy. He sees you when you are fresh as a Christian, always running around wherever there is God you are going, you are going. He sees you when you cool down, then He chops off the head of Dagon. He chops off the hands of Dagon for you. He expects you to understand that sin will not, cannot, should not have dominion over you. But what we find in churches, for some strange reasons, people allow sin to have control. God has destroyed the power of sin. He has. He expects you and I, all he expects us to do is to enforce what he has done. But for some strange reason, and I'll tell you the reason, for some very strange reason, many people try to do it their own way. They love God. They do. It's amazing how it is so possible to love God as I know. I mean, there are some people that I see and I know. They misbehave. But when you look at the person, you see that the person really does love God. They do. They love God. But then the things they do, their actions, don't tally with their love for God. They have a good heart. But when it comes to a certain area of life, something is just not in place. The truth of the matter is, God expects you to enforce the victory that He has procured for you by smashing the head of Dagon, by cutting off the hands of Dagon. He expects that you will stand. He does. And if you don't, then you will carry the full consequences of not standing. Because the, the hands that are chopped off, God chops off those hands so that your hands are no longer to be found doing the things that they used to do before. Some of us love God, but we just can't help falsifying documents. That's the only way we know how to make a living. It's got to stop. Else I'm going to get into serious trouble. You know, God is here right now. I can tell you that one, believe me. There are, some, there are some jobs you just ought not to do anymore. Why? Just because I'm afraid of God. It's not enough to just say I love God. And then we just do the things that God doesn't want done. And the reason why that happens is the Bible says that the head of Dagon was cut off. The hands of Dagon were also cut off. It says only the stump of Dagon was left. Only the stump of Dagon was left. So that is, it was just the fishy part of Dagon that was left. The human aspect of Dagon was destroyed. But the fact that there was a stump means that there's something still there. There's something you still have to contend with. That's what we were talking about last Wednesday. We were talking about the enemy where? Within. There is still an enemy within that you and I have to do something about. Romans 6, 16 says, Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. And the first example we see of this situation is in the Garden of Eden. God gave a clear instruction. This 
is the tree that produces death. This is the tree that produces life. You can go to the tree that produces life, but please do not touch the tree that produces death. In Bible tells us that when the enemy came, and the only reason why the enemy came was because Eve was found where? By the tree of death. That's why she was found. There was a sudden attraction. She, she just was always there, always there. So the enemy knew that if I push a little bit, and that's all that happened. A little conversation took place, and that which was in her came forth. The only trick of it all is this. The moment you choose the enemy's voice over God's voice, you become a slave to the enemy. Pure and simple. Each one of us here has a role to play in that which God is doing. That's why in James 4, 7, he says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God first. Then, the devil will flee. You still have a resisting of the devil to do before he leaves you alone. What does it mean when he says submit? Submit simply means obey the instructions of God. It's amazing, but it's sad and fearful how people who know the Bible from cover to cover, how people who know all the songs, how people who know how to praise God, how people who know how to shout hallelujah, will not go to heaven. It's amazing, but it is true. God happens to be the only one in the world who says the entrance into heaven is hundred over hundred, ten over ten. Nine and a half will not do. Nine point nine nine will not do. Won't do. To submit is to obey every command of God. What we tend to have in life is partial obedience, incomplete obedience. And the reason why that happens is that the enemy within, the stump of Dagon, is still there. Moses spent 40 years, the Bible tells us, at the backside of the desert. In other words, he spent 40 years in God's training camp. He went out as a great deliverer. He did all that God asked him to do. And the Bible says of him that he was a very meek man. Yet, he did not overcome the stump of anger and in just one flash of anger God said you can't go to the promised land anymore but because God is sovereign in Moses' case that's why you find in Jude that when Moses died there was an argument between Satan and Archangel Michael Satan said I won Moses ought not to go to heaven he failed he belongs to me because you see Satan knows his rights let me give us another example of a man called Demas. In Philemon, in verse 24, Paul says of him, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Then later we read of this same man in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. This present world translates to us today there are people who forsake God over little things the things that we see in life shoes bags, cars indeed there is a problem in Christendom because 90% of Christians actually love God because God can bless 
and we've seen examples of God blessing he can do can do so much somebody told me the story of how he had a problem and so he went everywhere to solve that problem and he finally took him to the most powerful medicine man in town and the man he says this guy had power because he, he described um, what he saw in the place that is a, a mortar and the pistol was hanging in the air nothing was holding it this is when you see that you know that there was power there he <laughs> said so the only problem was when he was about to leave was that he saw that the man's assistant is twice had a very big swollen leg that was rotting away <laughs> so he asked him does this man really have power? I said, ah, this guy has power. So he said, he said to him, how come he hasn't helped you with this, your leg? Because he said, the leg was definitely smelling and this guy, if he didn't know one day that thing would kill him. So I said, ah. Now he helped him because if he knew the whole story that he was involved in an accident, everybody died except himself. So that if it's only that leg that the man couldn't handle, that's not bad. But that's how the enemy tells us lies. That's how the enemy tells us lies. I remember the other day, somebody that um, we all started this work together. We went out for dinner with Bishop. We just saw this lady with this man. She just looked at us as if we didn't exist. And just went ahead and was doing what she was doing. <laughs> if you do not conquer the enemy within, the enemy within will take you away. What does God expect you and I to do? Matthew 26 verse 41 It says watch and pray That ye enter not into temptation The spirit indeed is willing But the flesh is weak That weak flesh is the enemy within That weak flesh is the stump of Dagon Now listen carefully I read to you 1 Samuel chapter 5 The ark Listen in the camp of the enemy without any assistance destroys the enemy at will that's precisely the reason why the enemy sells each one of us a lie that's precisely the reason why the enemy doesn't want you to conquer that weak flesh you see because when you conquer the weak flesh you become invincible it's impossible when you get home, read First Samuel chapter 5 again. Absolutely, completely impossible for anything to go wrong in life. You see, the, the more one studies these things, the more one begins to understand who we really are. From time to time, I walk around in their state just for the purpose of exercise. But since it was for exercise, I also pray. So one day, somebody in another area of Sule who had been seeing me walking around, walking around, walking around, came and told me that the ambrobas are worrying them too much in their area. Then why don't I please come and walk around their own area? <laughs> it's not funny. Because there's nothing special about anybody. Let's just understand that. Every single person here has the access into the Holy of Holies. Every single one of us. But see, what we all prefer is let somebody else do the praying. So we will pray. In fact, right now I'm in a very interesting frame of mind. But for time, I'd, I'd gladly pray for everybody here, one by one. 
gladly. It doesn't bother me. Today I was walking around. No, last week I was walking around. The Mercedes-Benz car sweeps by me. Goes around, turns around, and man stops. And says, are you Pastor Esco? I said, yes, I am. He said, I'm a Christian too. I just became a Christian. I used to be a Muslim. He said, pray, pray with me, sir. I said, okay. And I prayed. After a while, I won't be able to walk around again. Today, somebody knew when I would come out, carried the car, followed me, parked, jumped out of the car, carried her child, ran out and said, baby is two years old, hasn't started speaking. I should please pray for the baby. Ah! I just started imagining ah, what Pastor Debo goes through. I looked at this woman and this baby. I prayed for the baby and I told her, don't worry, the baby will speak. And then I went off. But you see, everyone, you see, we, we, we don't know who we are. And so the enemy sells you a lie. Today, all of that has to come to an end. And I'll show you a few things today. The awesome power of God against the enemy is at your disposal. That thing that happened in First Samuel chapter 5, that power is available to everybody that is here. But the power will not work just with any our Christians. Look at the ark. What's the ark? We've explained the ark. But I know that if I ask now, people will give me crazy answers. Wood, shitting wood, incorruptible wood, overlaid with what? Gold. The wood is the humanity of man. Gold represents what? Divinity of God. Exodus 25, verses 10 through to 11. And the best example is who? Jesus Christ. God in the form of who? Man. And that's why when, when, when the Jews rose against Jesus, Jesus said, what's wrong with you people? Is it not in your word that ye are gods? But in the same way it says, but ye shall die as men. But we know in the Bible that there are men who didn't die as men. But what does the enemy tell you? He says, ah, those were the days. In fact, there are people in this church who believe that tithes has to do with the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. You know, just strange. And if you ask them, how many chapters of the Old Testament have you read? Not much. This wooden chest overlaid with gold, we said, is representative, or rather was representative of God's throne on earth. He had a lead called the mercy seat, made of pure gold. From one block of gold, they carved out two cherubims that stretched off their wings and covered the mercy seat where God was to sit and meet with his people. This was put in the tabernacle. The reason why the tabernacle was built was to show that God wanted to do what? Dwell amongst his people. But his people kept on misbehaving. So God finally said, I will come down and show man that it is possible, absolutely possible, for wood, humanity, to be overlaid with gold, divinity. And that's what you see in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now this ark, whenever it appeared, wherever it appeared, because of the awesome power of God, everything in life had to get out of the way. Everything. Turn with me to Psalm 114. This is power that is available to you and I. It's just that we have to be a bit diligent. Those who came in very early this evening, when we're thanking God. I know some people heard me. You know, on Sunday I explained how because of the 
seriousness I attach to Thanksgiving that somehow, somehow I, I won't consider that God said I suddenly realized that wait a minute I should begin to thank God from 1966 but this evening I moved back a bit to 1953 each person here ought to thank God from the very day you were born and you ought to thank him every day of your life from that very day that you were born some people are born and because of stress they suffer brain damage but that didn't happen to you and I so we have to say thank you Psalm 114 from verse 3 the Bible says the sea saw it and fled Jordan was driven back the mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like rams what ail thee O thou sea that thou fleddest thou Jordan that thou was driven back ye mountains that ye skipped like rams and ye little hills like lambs tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord at the presence of the God of Jacob which turned the rock into a standing water the flint into a fountain of waters it describes what happened when the ark appeared at the Jordan you know we said the Jordan parted now the Bible says that's not really what happened what we are reading here is the reason is describing what happened the Jordan didn't just it's when you say the Jordan parted the English language is a picture just parted or it didn't just part it says it fled it parted in a hurry and you know the, the interesting thing about life is that yesterday on Discovery Channel they were they had a whole program on the sun you know and as I was watching the program they were confirming the Bible they were confirming the Bible I don't know if anybody watched the program it's amazing but the truth of the matter is the sun is dying and when he finally dies they say it will burn up everything go and read it in Peter it's there they even have an idea man has been able to calculate when the sun will finally expire and the people who are doing the calculation don't believe that the world comes to an end but it's such a strange life because it looks very far away of course you know that that calculation they are doing God is allowed to make the wrong calculations the important thing is to know that what God says will happen in the Bible science is now confirming it is impossible for the enemy to stand in the presence of the Lord impossible everything that's ailing you that's disturbing you that's worrying you that's why many people are in church and sometimes that's why God allows those things until such a time that he's sure that when he takes it away you are no longer going to run away you see because when God appears problems must disappear but that was, that's not what we find in life we don't find that in life for the simple reason that there are many people who started sitting or dealing with us who are not here anymore and they are not in any church why? because they got what they wanted and like they say if you go to the hospital once you are well you don't go back to the hospital now you know church is like hospital turn with me to Psalm 18 and see the way God operates this is the power that is available to you and I if only it says I will call I will love thee O Lord my strength so the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God my strength in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower I will call upon the Lord 
who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. He says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth, God was angry. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, fire out of the mouth, devoured coals were killed by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon the cherub, and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place, his pavilion round about him were very dark waters, and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows, and scattered them. And he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered. At thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemy, and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my state. Everybody reads verse 19 together with me. One, two, go. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. He delivered me because he delighted in me. If he does not delight in you, he will not. Yes. And God will not be delighted in people who are partially obedient, in people who are half and half obedient. Once he delights in you. And the thing is, if you look at the way the ark dealt with the whole nation of the Philistines, Philistines always represent the enemy in the Old Testament. Completely. And it's so interesting because when you read the Bible, they said once when, when Jesus appeared at um, a particular place where a man had legion and he told the demons to come out and the demons said, Let's go into the swine. And Jesus said, Go. And the swine ran down the steep hill. And they told Jesus, well, Come and leave us. Come and leave us. And some people said, In fact, we can push him. They said, You know, it's, it's amazing. They said, Jesus just passed in the midst of them. Then one day I remembered that when I was, all of the Christians, I don't think this is, um, all of the Christians, I was just a student. And I was in the bus. Something happened. They were looking for a scapegoat. They said, And the one that pressed the button, and there was so much confusion. Then after, just suddenly, I just realized that there was a lot of confusion. I wasn't a Christian. I just walked quietly in their midst. The, we are still looking for the person that created the problem. And I just, I didn't want just walk quietly. So, that one was not a Christian. It's impossible, I'm telling you the truth, for the enemy to misbehave if you know what to do. And the Bible tells us what to do. I was going to somebody today because I have my book, A Prayer Request, and because I'm really trying to find out to thank God. Because I know that if you can thank God satisfactorily, 
You don't need to pray. So I told somebody, I said to them, I said, all I do is I open my book of requests. I leave it aside. Because God can read better than I can read. So I finished the business of doing what? Of thanking him. When I finished that, I shut the book. They need to say, um, no, no, there's no need. He has seen everything. Just, just know how to say thank you first. Diligence gets you almost everything you want. Now, the relevance of the act to you and I is simply this. The act doesn't exist today anymore. People are still looking for readers of the lost act. All kinds of people from Ethiopia and say that they are, they are the ones keeping the act. If I got the help First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us that each person is what? Is the act. Because the essential thing about the act is that God did what? Dwelt there. So you and I ought to appear in places and people just know that the power of God has come. But that doesn't happen. Why? There's a stump, there's a stump, everybody's a stump. There's learning within. And until you get serious enough to deal with that, you'll be what Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 calls having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. There is a power that's available to you and I. We are all going to see it in this church. One way or the other we will all see it. We can't just be Christians. We can't just be Christians. And no power. I had a meeting the other day in my office. And so I told them, whenever there's a problem, he would say, it's pastor. Uh, I was waiting to see pastor. So I told him, I said, from today, if you say pastor, when the pastor hasn't spoken, I said, it is God that I hand you over to. Uh, some people are ready to run away from the office now. Uh, because that's the only way to deal with people. I said, if you don't believe me, try. Call my name. Remember, he didn't speak. I said, you know the fullness of the power of God. In fact, right now, the way I feel, you are free, you are free, you can come and talk. I'm, I'm just looking for trouble. I'm looking for trouble. For sucking you. You know, just when he was just with you, had a, a discussion with the general here. He was telling us on some things to do. And he was saying, if you do it like that, I said, I said, look, daddy, that's not the way to do this thing. He said, I said, let us bury this thing. Let us bury these people. He laughed. I said, there are only two ways. I said, it's your way, and the other way is burying them. He said, I like you, Jerry. I think I agree with you. We should bury them. <laughs> yes, because once you know who you are, you won't allow people to begin to put their finger in your eyes anymore. You won't. But there's a price to pay, you see. There is. So what does God want from you and I? Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. The very simple thing. It says, walk before me and be what? Perfect. What is it to be perfect? It's to be, to be holy. What is it to be holy? It's to live in obedience to the word of God as it's written in his Bible. Matthew 5, 48. Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is what? 
perfect. That's why I said Henry will not accept you with 99.99. Mm. That's the truth. If you like, go and listen to someone who says 80% will do. Come with me to 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? Sons of God. 1 John 3. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him does what? Purify himself. Every man that has this hope in him lives a perfect life. Every man that has this hope in him lives a holy life. Even as he is what? Pure. Even as he is perfect. Even as he is holy. However, whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So we've got to take life seriously. Because of what is coming. Because of what is coming. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. God tells Joshua, he says, you will not fail. You will not fall. You will have good success. All that is necessary, he says to Joshua, if you just keep this book of the law, meditate upon it, how long? Day and night. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. If you go to Psalm 1, the same instructions given. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day of deliverance. Today is a day of breakthrough. The Philistines that are dealing with us will be destroyed today. Because they cannot stand before you. Why? Because you are, listen carefully, you are, you just understand, once you understand what I'm saying, something will understand me today, and the God of this place is strength. And the God of this place is healed. You are the body of who? Of Christ. You are not just a mess, you are the body of, of Christ. Turn to some other and turn. But how can the body of Christ Steal. And we shall carry Jesus, we are stealing. The body of Christ killing fictitious figures. How can? That's what the problem is. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of where? Zion. Zion is where? It's the church. It's not just the church, it's the city of David. There's something in the name. Rule thou in the midst of where? Thy enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Today is the day of God's power. Amen. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, 
thou hast the view of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right and shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Today is the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries, just as he cut off the head of Dagon. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. But then if you are the body of Christ, you cannot afford to do a lot of the things that we've been doing. You cannot. And the truth is, if you spend enough time, if you wake up early and take your shakari and you spend time with thank God and thank God and thank God, you're not likely to get up that day and begin to just go and begin to misbehave. It's not very likely. So when you are misbehaving, it just is so clear. You and God are not quite close. Many Christians do a lot of things that they regret later. It's so easy to tell. Sometimes you think, ah, that's what I say. I don't see anything. It's so simple. It's so clear. This would happen if this had happened. Period. And once you understand that, then you begin to understand as the deer panted after the water brooks, so my soul panted after the O oh Lord. Because you begin to just want God. Because the more of God you have, nothing will disturb you. I want us to pray before we take Holy Communion. I'll explain why. So turn with me to 1 John 6 to 10. I want us all to read it out loud. And then pray. Don't be afraid. There's no cause for alarm. 1 John chapter 6. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 through to 10. Are we all there? I'll give an example of hearing God. I won't tell you details. I was about to do something very interesting. Just two, three days now. And um how can I explain it? It's something very, very, something I would like to do. But each, as I moved closer to doing it, I just got off feeling, don't, don't, don't. And so I said to, to myself, so what should I do now? I just said, so, so. I said, this, and I'm not saying this. But I think the feeling was so strong. You know what you do? You, if you're a wishy washy Christian, if I want to be here, would have finished the whole thing and be dancing along. I've got a very big God by my side. Praise God, amen. praise God, hallelujah. No, like God was speaking in here. Because you know we are. But if you fear God, you will know that if you make the wrong move, you don't even just want to deal with the problem of the wrong move. Does it make sense? And after I've done what I've done, I just realized, I said, ah, I laughed, I laughed to myself. If you saw me tell me the pastors, one, one, I used to be feeling one thing over the cuckoo's nest. Feeling that I was going cuckoo. I just laughed because I just realized that it was God that was setting me up. So I then told him what I wanted. And I smiled. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, God never told you to do something without really wanting to do something for you. Anyway, let's read together. That's for another day. One, two, go. If we say that we have fellowship with him 
and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not have the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is taken and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The only thing that disturbs us is the stump, is the enemy within. So let's just bow our heads today. We thank him, those who came early, we really thank him. So today let's just tell him, Lord, I do this, I do this, I do this. Call it by name. Or I have done this, I have done this, I have done this. Please have mercy upon me. Because what is that if I confess? You are faithful, you are just to forgive me. Please forgive me. Because we are coming to his table, we are coming to his table this evening. We can't just come to his table anyhow. Now once you are playing, there might be one or two people here today. You ought not to take home communion with us unless you are born again. Because if you do, the Bible says it can kill you. So what you want to do to today is not to say, well, I'm sorry for about this or that. Rather, what you want to say is, Lord, come into my life today. I believe that you are Jesus. You died for me. I accept the sacrifice on the cross. Please, Lord, write my name in the book of life. If you want to pray that prayer, put up your hand quickly wherever you are and then pray the prayer. Why I want your hand up so you can put a card in your hand. If you don't want to pray the prayer, then you don't want to take Holy Communion. And all you need to do is just quietly leave. Is anybody here today who wants to say to Jesus, Lord, I've never really made a firm commitment to you. Today I want to make a firm commitment. I want to vow and say, yes, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. Please write my name in the book of life. Is anybody like that here? Put up your hand if you are here. The ashes are looking out for God bless you. God bless you. There's another hand here. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly. Quickly, because I want to pray. Why is it going out the Holy Communion things? Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly, quickly. God is here. I can tell you that when I know it. And He knows those who are His. He knows. He knows those who are not His. Father, it is before you we come. We come, we come by the blood of Jesus. It is before you we say, Lord, have mercy upon us. It is before you, Lord, before you. Lord, your word is clear. And it is forever settled, Lord. So we say to you, Lord, today, have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon us. Forgive us, Almighty God. Yes, Lord, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of the tender mercies, God of our transgressions for you today, Lord. God of our transgressions for you today, Lord. We plead the precious blood of Jesus, Lord, over each one of us here, Lord. We ask that the blood will cleanse us today. And make us worthy to stand before your throne and to sit at your table, Lord. Glory and honor, dominion be unto thee. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's rise our feet. Psalm 35 verse 1. It simply says, Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Everything, listen to me carefully, everything that you see in life is that like a battle. There's a spirit that's behind it. So we just lift up our voices very briefly today. You'll do that the rest of it at home. And just tell God today to plead your cause with anything that's striving with you. Something what is striving with you today. Somebody striving with women, five boys. 
So tell God to repeat my cause with this fiber that's striving with me. Please my cause with this sickness that's striving with me. Please my cause, Lord, with this gentleman in my office that's striving with me. Lord, because they are fighting against me, arise today, Lord. And scatter them. Give up your voices. And just speak. And give me a pattern. Just use it. Father, when I come to God, I come by the God of Jesus, the precious eternal God of Jesus, Lord. And I say, Lord, give my cause, give my cause, give my cause today, Lord. Lord, I send you my adversary, Lord. I send you my adversary, I send you my adversary, I send you my adversary, Lord. Christ, I do want to speak to you, Lord. Thank you to the first of the 24. And I said to you that you should wait. 
lagu bakal dihancur. This is who is on earth and sings in his own body on the key that we in dead to sing should be alive, should live unto righteousness by whose strength we were healed. Now whether you are sick or well, listen, still take the healing power of the stripes of Jesus, which is what you are holding in your hand now, the body that was broken by the stripes, and say that every good thing that comes from the stripes, appropriate it unto yourself. Why is it that you might be well today, but there might be sickness five years ahead of now? You understand me? Yes. Might not have a problem today, but most of you do have one thing or the other as wrong. Just apply the stripes of Jesus to that situation. Tell God that His word can never fall to the ground. And that anything that will make His word not come to pass in your life today, tell Him that you put it under the blood of Jesus. You understand?
all got red. If you haven't, put up your hands quickly. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do a remembrance of me. Let us all be together. says, listen carefully, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The wine of the blood of Jesus. It means that what you are holding in your hands is what? Is the life of Jesus. And since it is his life that destroyed death, it means what you are holding in your hands is totally invincible. There's nothing more powerful than it. But that's the wisdom of God, which sometimes we cannot understand. But believe today that as you drink, you are drinking what? The life of Jesus. Why? Because you are his body anyway. You know everybody here has blood. You cannot have my blood. So the only blood that you and I can have as the body of Jesus is what? It is blood. And so today as you drink his blood, just believe that his life will flow through every tissue, every cell in your body. And if there's anything that's really wrong, tell him that this particular thing that's wrong, Lord, if this is your life, and I know it's your life, then it must go to you. Do you understand me? So go ahead and speak to him. Go on. Oh, mm-hmm.
Everybody have the blood. Today we are going to be blood drinkers. Tell Jesus it is your life that I hold in my hands, Lord. That's what your word says. Tell him that and his word can never fall to the ground. It is forever settled. Lord, as we drink, let every ailment in everybody today, Lord, let them melt and be rooted up. Whatever name they are called by, let them melt and be rooted up. Because it is written, Lord. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted shall indeed be rooted up. Today, O oh Lord, confirm your word. O oh Lord, today we will let your healing power prove itself in our midst. Today, O oh Lord, we ask that everyone here that is bound shall be set free today, Lord. Today, Lord, we say let God be deliverance, even as we do. For it's your life, it's your life, it's your life, it's your life, Lord. That which could not hold you cannot hold us, Lord. Oh yes, Almighty God. Today, Lord, as we drink, let life flow forth and burst forth. Let there be good things in our lives. Oh, Almighty God in heaven, so unto you we call. Not because we are perfect, not because we are worthy, but because of your grace. And this is the month of grace, Lord. Let your grace abound unto each one of us, Lord. Glory and honor we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had substituted. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as of as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for that which is being done right now in my life, in my situation. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, Almighty God. Ah, because you are he who speaks and it is done. Ah, because Almighty God, your word is forever settled in heaven. Ah, that I can stand before you today and fill myself with your blood, with your life. I say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that which is being done now. Thank you, Lord. Because even so, you ordained it before the foundations of the earth. Honor and glory and dominion, Lord, we give unto you today. We will bless you, we will bless you, we will bless you, we will bless you, Lord. Ah, we thank you for testimonies. We thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for breakthroughs. Oh Lord, we thank you because we know that because of today, we shall have a reason to shout. We shall have a reason to dance. We shall have a reason to rejoice. Even so, this month, Lord, glory and honor will give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. 